And we're back. Man, we were just talking about political ads. I'm telling you what, dude. Can I just say this? When it, Every time political season rolls around, everybody says the same thing. I'm so tired of the political ads. I just don't want to see any more political ads. And most of them are terrible, right? Most of them are awful. 97, but the 98%. W- the one thing that I do think has come from like the last two presidential election cycles is that some of these things have gotten pretty good. Like some of the, the ones that they put a lot of work into – some of these are creative, and they're like convincing, convincing campaign ads. They want to sell you something. They're getting really good at it. Oh, they yeah. know what catches people's attention. They know. They understand. They hit talking points that that um, that favors whoever they're trying to sell you. There was, I think, it was the Lincoln Project one that uh, that it was Susan Collins in, in Maine. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it doesn't. It was one of the sharpest written political can or ads i've ever seen and produced really more than anything so like i'm i'm sick of them like everybody else but th- that's the one thing like the top end ones have mm-hmm. been really good so i guess I, you got you got to look for silver linings right in right life. you have to you have to so how you, you have been, to man? i mean i've been good man just uh just trying to live my best life kyle you know just getting yelled at by the wife every day <laughs> keeping it going you know working at work just trying to be better man it's so um trying to continue to de- deliver a message of football trying not to over talk people trying to be a better analyst not just talking football um I got to be able to show myself I still want to be creative I still but I want to talk and I want it's just really hard when I'm not beside the person I'm talking to yeah it's just a different feel sometimes well like instead of talking when I'm talking straight to the camera it's kind of hard to to be a I don't know so I'm not that person. So you're doing SEC Nation on Saturday. I don't mornings. dance, Kyle. I know That's you don't think. Well, I don't dance. You don't dance. I don't dance. So you strike well, me as somebody who could dance. Can you dance on the dance floor? Yes. Okay. But when it comes to like for the man, oh. I don't dance. Okay. That's well, what I mean. I, I see. It's I, more like um. So you're talking oh, Jerry Maguire. You're talking figurative dancing. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. All right, Cuba Gooden Jr. Yeah, playing the the football player. It is the most. It is my favorite movie of all time. Jerry Maguire's? Yes. It's a great I, movie. It's, oh, so good. It's a really good movie. It is so good. Showed my wife that movie for the <laughs> first time six months ago. She'd never seen it. Really? She's not a huge sports fan. Got she, it. she loves college football now, mm-hmm. and she loves the Hornets. You know, she's cut, got it. She likes the Panthers. Right. She right. likes what she likes, and that's it. She doesn't really – and that was back in the day, too. So. Right, right. Um, but, nah, it, it's just uh, – It's a good movie. It's a great movie. It Where really was I going is. with that talking about? I don't about? know, but, like, Cuba, you said you don't dance. You don't yeah, dance for the man. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was saying. He was like, Jerry, you know me. ABC's of me, Jerry. <laughs> I don't dance, Jerry. Dude, that's a pretty good Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> Dude, that's not bad. One of, my, uh, one of my best friends is named Shannon Self, man. He helps me with all my social stuff and uh, social media things of that name. And um, and that's the, that's what I'm always on him about. He's the one that made me get into like I'm not a social media person. I hate doing it. Um, I just like to kind of stay in my own lane and be who I am. But I do it more now because he encourages me to. And that's why you're mentally healthier than the rest of us. That's why <laughs> I keep no. I'm telling you, this man is mentally healthier than the rest of us because he doesn't quote unquote do social media. And you're smart that way. You're it's smart. Just, that I way. just got too much other. I got kids. I just got way too much going on. I feel like so. Well, see, and that's why I keep telling you that I've I've been trying to wean myself off of right, it more and have. more because it is bad that. for your mental health. Yeah, you, man. Like, people, I, people who don't dance. That, people that's tweeting and Kyle, stuff and fighting dance. on Twitter like nine hours a day. Those people are mentally sick. It's well, un- yeah, man. Not only that, but people build a name or a credit for themselves off of that stuff by being rude or having these hard hit one liners or coming back and forth. Um, and to me, I think life's bigger and better than that. But but back to work though, for me for a second. I was. Going I just. There. I just. Oh, you are. 
I, I, I want because we got to hit some SEC football. Let's do it. We, dude, we need to hit on some the big matchup this week, which is the Saints and the Panthers. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't wait to hear your opinion and what you're expecting to see or what you want to see or what you learned from this weekend. Because I listen to you on your radio show, Kyle. I enjoy listening to you sometimes. I appreciate that. And um, you're really a good sell on this Virginia Tech football team. I mean, the last six quarters, the numbers that you're able to throw out there, they're really good. But I want you to tell me why they're good, mm. all right? Not just some numbers. I can look that up on the Internet. Tell me why they're good. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. I didn't think we'd go here off the top. That's exciting. <laughs> um, look, uh, part of it is, I guess, just knowing what they had coming back. from mm-hmm. an And I asked this question, Kyle. I wanted to show you to share with this to, to wrap it all in, too, is that because – from an SEC person that's watching only SEC, I want to know more about the ACC and the strength of it, which I feel like Virginia Tech definitely has to be one of the stronger teams. Well, I mean, so. I'm not the most impartial, you know, source for this information, <laughs> being that I went to school there. But, like, no, just the point was, Hendon Hooker, I'll make it brief. Hendon Hooker was the third most efficient passer in the ACC last year. Mm-hmm. Um, after they got blown out at home by Duke. Like, say that sentence out loud. You got blown out at home by Duke. Yeah, um, doesn't sound like a good They kind of pressed the panic button in Blacksburg. People were talking about firing Justin Fuente. They were talking about buyout numbers and everything else. Um, you don't get blown out at home by Duke, 45 to 10. And when did this happen? Uh, early in the season. Yeah. And then uh, it was at that point, uh, I think they – they started slow the week after against an FCS opponent, but then from that point they started to, to get better and better, and you know they went on a six- or seven-game winning streak, ended up uh, coming up just a touchdown short of going to the ACC championship game and lost a heartbreaker to Kentucky in the Belk Bowl here in Charlotte. So anyway, they had a lot coming back, and Hendon Hooker was a year older, and the offensive line was coming back. They were loaded. They got this Herbert kid transferring from Kansas, which doesn't sound like much, but turns out he's pretty special. Yeah, the running back. And then they get the you know kid transferring from the Big Ten, and a few, and they got these guys. So the point is, they so got the a lot. transfer pool actually helped you guys out. Absolutely, and so they had a lot coming back on offense and defensively. Bud Foster just retired, and Justin Hamilton, who played for Bud Foster back in the day, was taken over as DC. He was. He played s- there. He did, and he and he, he brought my boy in, Daryl Tapp. He's the D line coach. That's right. Daryl Tapp's one of the nicest guys in college football. He's one of the best human There's beings. There's a great in life. picture of Daryl Tapp from I think his freshman year, where he's in the weight room walking in for like the first time, uh-huh. and he's got like high tube socks with the stripes on them at the top, <laughs> pulled up nearly to his knees. He's got yes. his shirt tucked in, and he's got these thick ass glasses. He still got the glasses, and I and guess probably the socks. I guess as the story goes, everybody's like, "Who is this nerd? Uh, this nerdy freshman walking in here?" And I think he put like 500 pounds on the bench press bar. And just threw it up like nothing, and everybody's like, oh, okay, this guy's for real. Okay, can I give you the best Daryl Tapp story? Yes, so please. I call him DJ Tappy Tapp, all right? Oh. So I was teammates with Daryl Tapp. We, got, we came out the same year. I knew who he was from Virginia Tech. I don't know if you knew who I was, but I definitely remember because he had a cool name for me, and that's when Virginia, Virginia Tech played a lot of games on Thursday nights when yep. I was in college as well. So um, I got to watch a lot of him. I was a fan. He went to Detroit. Anyways, we were teammates in New, York, New Orleans my last year in the league. And uh, he always had the music in the locker room. So he had control of, like, the loudest speaker that was going to bang it out. <laughs> He'd be carrying it around sometimes. Or DJ Tappy Tap, if you need a good song on, from the playlist, you better holler at DJ Tappy Tap. That's he had, funny. He, he had the best music. And I'd be like, DJ Tappy Tap. He's like, yeah, Rom. <laughs> that's my dude. It, DJ Tappy Tap, that's my dude. But I, I, I'm very... I'm very happy um, to hear good things coming out of that way. And uh, I'm glad that they're having a refreshing or a restart of this defense. I haven't spoken to him in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, he may not even remember me, but he's the nicest guy. That, I mean, I, I remember. Well, you're not lying. Well, well, he is. No, he's the nicest guy. So, anyway, they, they brought him back. Great re- connection to the 757. 
um, for recruiting purposes, and it turns out he's a pretty good coach too. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're young on defense, but they brought back all the Bud Foster guys. They're trying to bring back, you know, the original just kind of spirit that was tech, te- right. tech defense. And so, you know, it's a process. But uh, anyway, I thought they had a lot coming back. And when Farley opted out and went to the NFL, that was a blow because he's a first-rounder. It probably might be the first corner off the board. Um, I doubt that. Well, he might not. We'll see. Okay, that's that's something I guess to come <laughs> back to. But yeah, so they had a lot of talent, and I, I mean, I thought I don't know how good I thought they could be, but I thought they'd be pretty good. And so I, after I saw him against NC State, down twenty three guys with Justin Hamilton in quarantine, couldn't even coach, um, and jump out to seventeen nothing and just kind of right. I thought they had a chance because I knew they were deep that they could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating thing to bring it, you know, to present day is watching them against North Carolina. A, not give Hendon Hooker the football until the second half. And he went out and scored 31 points in the second half and, and brought him back within five. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, being without basically their entire two deep in the secondary against Carolina. So, I mean, they, uh, Daz Newsom's last touchdown, I've said this a couple of times, was against a fourth-string walk-on safety. Uh, they just they didn't have any guys. And Justin Fuentes talked about having to basically draw plays on the sideline to try to tell guys where to go. And so, you know, I think what we saw this past week, too, though, was as they get more of these guys back – and Hendon Hooker's has started to – he's gotten the ball back full time. I think the stat you were talking about was in the last six quarters, it was uh, 71 points, 766 yards. And what I didn't include, um, and this came from David Teal, was that I think it was something like either 8.6 or 9.4 yards per play in that stretch. I mean, they've just been – and he hasn't turned the ball over once. Hendon Hooker um, is – I mean, he's 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 – always been the starting quarterback mm-hmm. but there's a night and day difference with this team when he's on the field versus when he's off they just respond to him you know how right. guys do that I, on a team I yes I've seen quarterbacks win over teams and uh that's what I felt Stetson Bennett did for Georgia I thought so too mm-hmm. I, so that's why so anyway I, I say all that to say I don't know if they're the second best team in the ACC I think they are especially after Carolina do lost. they play Notre Dame uh yes in a couple of weeks when is it where is that uh, I have to pull up the the, the schedule it's here. okay I mean, it's okay I don't have it but I mean again it's either them Notre Dame and Carolina's still in that conversation and so is Miami you know Miami did what I thought they'd do against Clemson I, I heard you earlier say Clemson is the best team in America and I couldn't agree more yes. um, at this point I don't think it's even close I, 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 I all due respect to Alabama I appreciate it's a really that. good team I think just 73 to 7 for a conference opponent. So I, I think that's, look, man, sometimes games get out of whack. Agreed. And, and it, stuff starts to roll downhill. You saw they, I think Clemson put up like 35 in the second quarter. Things got really out of hand really fast. Um, and then, but to me, if Clemson and Alabama played, I know everybody's going to talk about Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick, but Travis Etienne to me is the best player on that team. He, is really good. He would be the difference maker if they played against Alabama, who I don't think stops to run that well. The thing is, Alabama's offense puts so much pressure on teams. I felt that that was the difference versus Georgia. It's it's when you got Waddle, you got Najee Harris, you got Devontae Smith, you got Mac Jones, you got an offensive line that's got three or four NFL guys on it. Yep. I'm sorry I can't name them all, <laughs> but trust me, they all are. Um, that's hard to keep up with when, you know, you got good coaches behind. You got the best coach of all time. You got the best offensive firepower of any team, right? Would you say anybody has more firepower than that? University of Alabama, uh, offensively, in college football. Maybe Clemson, but that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, nobody has that type of – No, 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 no. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, And they got John Mechie from – who's 
They, every, he's from Canada, actually. He's cool. <laughs> I heard about him a couple of years ago. They said, they said, no, Roman, we got this receiver from Canada. He's going to be good. I'm like, who? He's like, dude, he's from, he's from Canada. He's number eight. And then I saw him. I was like, that's the guy. Like, yeah. He's from Canada. He's from Canada. It's cool. Man, there's been a couple of prospects from Canada over the years. That, yeah, they have. They just stop and make you think, like, hey, you played high school football in Canada. What's that like? I've seen it. Have you? Canadian football. They only do is it's just Canadian football. Well, okay, but I'm not even talking about the rules and stylistically, but, like, you know, like culturally, you know, in Texas and Alabama <laughs> and true. Florida and Virginia, Ohio. That's like why they try and move here, though. If they if they figure out that you are – that they would try and come to America, why would you not? That's what they all do. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, I think it's cool. I just yeah. – uh, it's kind of like the first – when you remember when I went to London last year mm-hmm. and before I went, A, you told me to try the McDonald's because they were better? They were not better. <laughs> that was a complete myth. That, that guy – that means it's been Americanized. Uh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. But then the other thing was when I when I found out because when you told me you were like hey you're gonna see a, like a jersey from every team when you get there no and sure enough I mean I'm on the I'm on the tube going to the game and there's literally every team represented from some and there a lot of them are classic throwback jerseys these weird old starter jackets like it's it's, it's crazy but on top going back in time dude exactly but all over at one time though you did right and so but then also being there and watching British dudes throw football in the street. But some don't really know how to throw football Mm-mm. because it's not what they do. And they still don't have high school football teams over there, I don't think. But they have these, high, these football clubs yep. that they play. And so they hear them talk about the game. You know what's crazy about it? I know we're off track here. But it's very fantasy football centric, the way they talk about the game. We don't talk – you know, hardcore fantasy football guys will talk about it like that. But most of the conversations that I just casually overheard over mm-hmm. there were so – um, you know, fantasy football, not just centric, but the lingo was entered. It's weird, man, but it's it's wild. <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't have to do it that way. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to the point. Yes, Clemson is is, is the best team in America. Um, I don't know if it's Virginia Tech or, you know, another team that's the second best team in the ACC. But and the I was best, wrong, team, by the way. The best team doesn't always win the game. It's well, the team that plays the best that You're day. right about so that. So that, that is a good thing. And I got it. confused, by the way. Um, they do not have uh, Notre Dame. It was Clemson. I got it backwards. Oh, I yeah. I, that I, sucks, man. I, well, yeah. Because you guys could have beat Notre Dame and then been on that side of it. You guys – they have an ACC championship game, right, this oh, yeah. year? Yeah. So th- I think you guys could have snuck in. But well, they, they mean, put still, them on the other still side. Still in though. the hunt. I mean, that's the thing. They're still yeah. in the hunt right now. They just have one loss and – they just beat up on Boston College on Saturday, forty to fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, looked pretty good doing well, it. Boston College is always tough, you know. But but it, I mean, I, again, I think it's a moot point because I th- do I think they could do I think Virginia Tech could give Clemson a game? Absolutely. Do I think yeah. it's likely to happen? I say the, it's likelier they get beaten by you know eighteen twenty points because do you think Clemson they have bowl games this year. Well, yeah, I mean, apparently they're going to. It starts uh, the bowl season supposed to start December the first. Right. Okay. I think December the first is what I read, but it's strange because the bowl season can start, I believe, eleven days before before the, the conference game. championship games. Yeah, it's weird. It's really strange. I mean, I guess I get why you just got to get it in, but yeah, I wonder how many of these games. Because think about the COVID situation. I know, right? Schools. It's got to be. Because um, once you start going out of the conference, that's when you can end up with you don't right. know, right? But, right. Right. It's uh, well, and not even that. I mean, it's you'd be right there in the heart of what's considered traditional flu season too, and yep. they're expecting a spike. So and, what, and, what if you're supposed and to get the Bahamas and you, Bowl? And you have to do like the whole bowl site operations because that's what pays for the bowl right. as well. Exactly. So um, that would be a lot of checks and balances because now we're taking kids and putting them in hotels. Are we now we got are we testing everybody that's working the hotel? What is the situation? I think it's a lot of moving parts. Hopefully it gets it done. I just want to know because I would love to see a matchup like Kentucky 
versus Virginia Tech. I think Kentucky's a really good football team. I think they start out 0-2, but they should have won those two games. I would love a second chance at Kentucky after the Belk Bowl last year. <laughs> I, would, I would love that. I think that would be an amazing matchup. I think it's – dude, Kentucky – They got Terry Wilson back. So after what Kentucky just did to Tennessee this past weekend, I they mean – They put a spanking on them. I don't know what to think of Kentucky after that. I mean, I heard – Why do you not so, – so Kentucky is a good team. I think so, they, too, but, like, they're 2-2. Two two. Their DBs finally woke up. Thank you. I think that's what I'm going to harp on on my show. What? Kentucky DB's finally waking up. Oh. I'm glad you guys are checked in. Yeah. I mean, I know we took the first two weeks off of a football class because they didn't have any turnovers. Right. Oh, no, they housed two touchdowns. They have, what, I think they got eight turnovers the last two games. I mean, they're, they're finally playing. So, and I thought that they were supposed to be good. They were, they were number one in the SEC last year and did – defending the pass and maybe that's because they didn't play nobody but still right you still had the stat sure and um and now they play them better it's because of that that's why they beat tennessee you you had two pick sixes you had they took it to tennessee yeah they did they took it to tennessee they, they whooped them i mean <laughs> and tennessee had no answer and look and when you have to take out your first string quarterback and then go to your second string quarterback your second string throw quarterback throws an interception on the first play all right, then you go back to your – then you put in a third quarterback. That means you have no quarterback. You don't have faith in anything. Not only that, but that's also saying, well, I, if I have a guy, then I stick with him. And defensively, you got to go out there and make a play for your offense. Hey, we're going to get it started. So, me, that shows me a lack of overall togetherness. They did not – they did not play – they don't know who they are. They don't know because the question marks are at quarterback – who we are as a team, all those things start to happen when you get whooped like that. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they took it to Tennessee. Um, how about South Carolina beating Auburn for the first time since 1933? I talked to my producer about that. I said, bro, how did I not know that was a stat until after the game? I don't think anybody knew that until it happened. Mm. And I was like, man, I picked South Carolina to win the game. I, I wish I would have known. Man, that was a stat that, you know, Auburn, South Carolina hadn't beaten Auburn since 1933. Mm. I know they haven't played a lot, but that's still a very long time. Kentucky hadn't beat Tennessee in Knoxville since 1984. I, I, I told somebody. Or 83, well, one was, of those I years. I was joking this morning that as soon as I saw that score, I was my first thought was the callers. The, the, cause <laughs> I, I was listening to Feinbaum last week, and uh -huh. some, some Auburn fan called in and was like, when are we going to fire Gus Malzahn? And I'm like, yeah, I figured that was going to ratchet up as soon as something bad happened. And since I'm looking, I'm looking at Gus Malzahn in the post game on Saturday, and I'm just imagining what the calls are going to be like to Feinbaum this week mm -hmm. from people who are just going to trot out that number, even though, like you said, they haven't played that often since 1933. But I just imagine the, the Auburn fan calling, first time since 1930, <laughs> as, 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 you know, just, just <laughs> support to fire Gus Malzahn. But yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be there. One of my one of my best friends is. He hates the Gus bus. Oh, I, I have some Auburn fans, friends who do too. I, that's, you know, that's a, that's a strange. You know more about that dynamic than I do. but uh, I, I do. Look, but Auburn, look. Auburn would have the predominant football presence in pretty much every other state in America <laughs> except for the state of Alabama. And I know it drives their fan base crazy because, well, you know. You know what? I, I won't say that, though. So my, my, one of my best friends, he went to Auburn. He, he was a cheerleader at Auburn. We grew up together. That's my boy. And um, they understand that Nick Saban's at Alabama. So they understand right. that he's the best that everybody's had. So they understand for the now. But they want to just be able to have a – Auburn has the ability to have a championship run every four to five years. They do have that. Not only that, but everybody talks about Gus. Here, I'll go back to Gus. You know that was like second. the most underhanded Alabama compliment you could give him, right? 
They have the, they could make a run every four or five years. They think but, they but, should be making annual runs like you do. But I don't think Auburn ha- is that though. Who is Auburn as a university? How many championships they have? Three, right? They have three national championships. Alabama has seventeen. So Alabama's more used to winning. The, and it's oh, like it's like you said. You right. let off by saying that who, who's the bigger? They would be the biggest. That is true. All right, that is true. They would be in every other state, but in Alabama, it's just different. Right. It is what it is. So then. But I won't – but Gus has also – they got to understand and respect this too because they could hire another coach and then end up going like having a Tennessee-type run, and you don't want that either, right? But Gus is also the standard for beating Nick Saban with his offense and with the play calling. When it's up-tempo, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're getting the ball, they're running for 200 yards or more. They're doing what they do, and they don't – so – and that's beating Nick Saban every three to four years. Other coaches wish that they beat Nick Saban every three or four times that they played him. Okay? Yeah. Right? <laughs> There's a lot of coaches out there that have no wins. Okay? So that is the standard for beating Nick Saban as well. So when you're, when you're looking at the standard, he is the standard. So it's both sides of this weird dynamic. And that's what I try and tell Auburn fans too. But it, I would just be nervous if I was Auburn, if I was an Auburn fan because – I don't know if Auburn if, – if they don't have Gus Malzahn, who would be your coach? I, I and, don't know. And when I say that, I think it's a couple good choices out there, but I'm not going to say all that um, because that's not my lane. But um, <laughs> but, but I don't think Auburn would make that pick. I think they would pick the sexy name, the new hottest coach, and I don't think that is what – because you got to understand the, the level of Alabama-Auburn football. you got to understand what it is. You can't just get somebody – and bring them in and think it's just going to be what it is. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's my opinion. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. I think that would have to matter some. Well, sure. No, I, I think you're right. How about Sam Pittman at Arkansas? That, that's He's my favorite. That's a fun story. If they win seven games, which I hope they do, he, he should be coach of the year. I don't care if he wins six games, he should be coach of the I, year. It's just a great story. I mean, he's one of their own. They fought yeah. after, after Petrino left him in a lurch. And Unless Alabama. Nick just – Crushes they were it, so bad. Like I, I actually thought that. Um, uh, oh, who was the hire before? I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Chad Chad Morris. Thank you, Chad Morris. I I actually thought that was a good hire for them at the time, mm-hmm. um, I, or could be a good hire for them. You know, because Chad Morris did a really good job running the Clemson offense when he was here, or when he was down the road at Clemson um, under Dabo. And you know, I know didn't things weren't perfect at SMU. I thought things would have gone better at SMU, but I also. I don't know. I mean, it's not as if SMU's ever been a powerhouse since, uh, you know, no, everything not happened. No, not at all. I, they haven't been. So, anyway, I, I thought that he could have worked out there. But, man, Sam Pittman's a good story. He, He's one of their own. He loves, you know, Arkansas football. And um, I, I hope it works out. I think they're a fun story. Who? Arkansas? Oh, yeah. No, I hope it works out. It's already working. Like, the- I, 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 Hold on. I'm just saying, at one point in time, though, Tennessee fans, fans thought Butch Jones was, was the future of volunteer football. So, like, I, okay. mean, I, I, gr- I agree with I you. you. It looks you. like it's probably going to work out. But Arkansas out. should be 3-1, and one, I'm just saying. And I'm rooting for it to work out because I like that guy. Sam Pittman is a super likable dude. Uh, he's just got football guy all over his face. I mean, <laughs> he's, he an, he's an offensive line coach. You can see why the fan base loves him. Like, I think that's awesome. So I think he's a humble human being. I think he has a humble staff, um, which in which they coach. And I say that from the mindset of, and look, I'm not there every day with him. I'm just telling you what I see. And I see that defense. And I've seen them have four different game plans for four different teams. I see it. I notice it. That, to me, matters. That means that the coaching staff 
they're not it's not about their defense and what they want to run and this call and this because I see a lot of bad defense in college football and I'm like what is that coach is that is that being taught <laughs> or are you allowing him to do it right that is what I was always told yeah. you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to be done yeah and I see that and I don't I like see that. those issues when I'm watching Arkansas defense and the, to me, that is the mo my most favorite thing about Arkansas's defense. That's why I root for them. That is why they perform so well. All right, they don't have the most athletic guys. They don't have the most. Come on, man. They got a guy named Hudson Clark. He's the only white DB in the SEC. And I'm sorry. I want to call it for what it is. The dude's balling, and people need to put some respect on his name. <laughs> you gonna stop throwing it out there, and he gonna get it. And I'm telling you. So that is what i can i say that on tv kyle i i think so okay. what are you asking me for you got producers for that you're right i'm gonna do I might, that I'm a, but that's real it's me and you i can say oh that. yeah it's a podcast you yeah. let it fly <laughs> okay yeah let that fly no doubt but that's real that's real <laughs> all right um so I, I for me kyle that is what i love about them they're gonna play some zone they're gonna that i picked them to beat old miss too so i felt really good about my my picks everybody thought i was crazy and I was like, no, nah, I think I was right a lot. And, but it's only because now I'm not overthinking it yeah. when I'm looking at college football. I got to stop over. Sometimes when you know basketball or you know football, you almost know too much. So you don't pick good when you're doing a tournament <laughs> bracket because you overthink it. Like, oh, man, this team would do this. And then like, hold on. I'm dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that don't get it right. Coaches can be, uh, uh, but they know all have their tendencies. Yep. And as I'm seeing more and more games being played in front of me, it just tells it what it is. The best team, football don't lie. The ball don't lie. And Arkansas plays good, solid ball. Um, Sam Pittman, he's not – I love his staff that he's put around himself. Kendall Browse and those guys do pretty good on offense. Felipe Franks has a strong arm. Not always the best decision maker, but the dude's got an arm, and he's got three really good playmakers on the side. Raheem Boyd when healthy. Uh, Raheem Boyd when healthy is a really good running back. So I like this Arkansas team going forward. I think they'll give Alabama some problems for a quarter and a half, two quarters. Maybe even down deep in the four quarters, but I think overall Alabama has too much talent. But I like this Arkansas team. They're my second second best team in the SEC West right now. Yeah, I, I hmm. I, I joked today. I don't know if you heard this, but I joked today. I didn't hear just, it. Uh, I was like, so what's the over under on how many more years before Georgia fans start to give Kirby the Mark <laughs> Rick, Mark Rick treatment? And even though he wins ten games every year, and you know. Takes them to, to probably conference championship, or they'll get tired of it and, and demand their championship, and you know, giving the Mark Rick treatment. I, I, I like I joked about it today, so I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but like, like I think they'll pr they're going to get over. The I'm hump. laughing. I'm laughing. They're going to get over the funny. hump. They're going to get over the hump at some point. You, you and I talked about this. I thought that, I thought that Jamie Newman had a chance. To have he a was really my. I big thought he was going to come in and kill the SEC. I thought so too. But I thought he had the ability because his offense was going to be built around that. He can do those things. I had entertained and he had the, the arm idea. and the, the everything. I had entertained the idea a couple of times of him of them hoisting national championship trophy with him playing quarterback. I, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't positive, but like I, I thought they had a chance to be that good because I've watched him at Wake a couple of times and I was like, wow, that guy might be pretty good in the NFL because somebody's going to. I mean, he, I got a question. I got a question for you now. Because, Kyle, you're, you're going way too high on this praise right now. Hold on. Why? What state is the um, University of Georgia in? Georgia. Yeah, I don't think they win a lot of championships. That's a fair point, man. <laughs> That's a fair point, one that I should have taken into consideration a bit more, it seems. Before you go a little bit higher. Anyway, to let me clarify, I wasn't going to pick them to win the national championship. Okay. I'm just okay. saying I had flirted with the idea that such a thing might be possible if he had a really good season. No doubt. Anyway, but getting back to that, because as much as I want to talk college football with you, you do it for a living, I do it for a living, i got to ask you about this. 
that is even what you just said. The state of Georgia is a terrible place to be a sports fan right now, right? <laughs> so that happened from Alabama on Saturday. And then, um, of course, this is our podcast, right? So oh, I can call them a dumpster fire if oh, I want to. 100%. They are, dude. The Falcons start 0 and 5. And at that point, they fire their coach, they fire their GM. And most of that fan base, the ones who still gave a damn about that team, were starting to say, just lose out the rest of the way and get a draft pick. And nobody can do that, man. Well, no, I agree with that. I don't, I, it's not, it's never that simple. But the fan base was starting to, to talk that way in a big way. I listened to the radio station last week. They, you know, they want that. And then they go out and win their first game under Raheem Morris. You know, Raheem I, Morris is a good coach. I, I, think, well, no, I, th I think so, too. And so I think, you know, he's going to get a legitimate shot to be the head coach there. So I'm but saying Atlanta is a Atlanta has talent. And then they blow a three one lead. In the oh, NLCS. I'm so sick. I, dude, let me I'm tell you I grew something. up a Braves fan. You I, know that. We talk about this all the time on the show. Can and I just say what's on my chest real quick? Please do. Because, man, like when it, I think that's what bothers me the most about being a Braves fan. And I guess all these Falcons fans have the same thing. Is that, man, like the moment I'm ready to – you love me again, then you, you do this. All right? You hadn't won a, a series since when? Over 20 years. I'm conflicted here. And here's why. And I'm a Dodgers fan, too. But the Dodgers had been in the World Series more recently. I was cheering for the Braves. And they won, they won their first series that they won the playoffs since whatever. And then It's strange that you and I crossed paths in life because things like that. You, you're a Braves fan who also likes the Dodgers. No doubt. I'm, I'm, a, a, Dodger, I'm a West Coast fan. I'm a Dodgers fan who also has a special place in my heart for the Braves. So that's interesting. But you're right because – so. Most of my friends growing up were Braves fans, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's just the way that it was. And they took a 3-1 lead. I'm irritated as a Dodgers fan because they just find a different way to flop every single year. They just It's what they do. But then as I watch them come back over the last couple of nights. Shout out to that pretty home Russ Swanson early. Oh, man. I mean, uh, the Braves, like, they're so young. They're throwing like teenagers. And I'm just, like, I mean, Ian Anderson's 22 years old. Max Fried's the elder statesman, like 26. You know, uh, Kyle Wright's young. Uh they're just so young, man. Bryce Wilson, 22 years old. They're so young in that staff, and they're talented. So, like, they've got a bright future on that front. Um, but the Dodgers, that is the best lineup in baseball. And they got, they got hot just at the right time. And they caught some breaks, and the Braves self-imploded. And, like, last night, that base-running blunder on – I mean, that was horrible. Oh, and, the, yeah, that was early in the game, too. That was a big momentum swing. They, 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 they should have put an extra two runs on the board. <laughs> they would have gone up 5-2, and I think that might have won the game for them. And yeah. they, that was horrific, what they oh. did. And, and so the Dodgers then capitalized, took advantage. Kike Hernandez hits a home run to tie yeah. it. And then Cody Bellinger hit a bomb in the seventh inning to take the lead. And, I mean, I feel for Braves fans because that's a, that's a shitty way to lose a series. <laughs> that's, that's rough, man. And, and so I, I, I feel for them in that way. But the problem is, man, like as a Dodgers fan, you're mad because you lost the series as a Braves fan. I'm happy they won. But after watching that team lose in back-to-back -back World Series in 2017-2018 <laughs> and then watching them get bounced early last year when they supposedly had the best team ever last year, I don't care that they won this series. I'm glad they did. But until they win the World Series, I'm not going to be happy. Like I can't even take a great amount of joy in this because I like Braves fans. I like the Braves as an organization. And I'm just – they've, they've flopped so many times, I'm not getting my hopes up again. You know what? I'm, I'm about to be on that train too, dude. All right? My, I woke up, woke up this morning. I was like, I saw the Braves lost, and, and she saw me kind of get angry. She's like, I thought you were a Dodgers fan. I said, I am. <laughs> She's like, then why aren't you happy? I'm like, oh, because I'm a Braves guy too. <laughs> 
and the the Braves hadn't been there in so long. I was like excited. I like Acuna, Acuna Jr. I I like watching the Braves. And look, and you look, and because I've seen the Dodgers being, I am happy for Mookie Betts though. Um, that guy, he's unbelievable. I mean, I'm really happy for him. Mookie Betts is special. Not only that, but man, he he wins in this situation. He looks like the bigger person. He's moved on in his career from Boston. Oh yeah, and he's he's. he's I think you he, could make the argument that at times this year he was clearly the best player in baseball yeah Mike Trout notwithstanding like Mike's great there were times and some people won't believe it look just because you LeBron don't gotta mean you win the MVP all the time well right but I mean Mookie Betts to me was at time and I may and you know he's not gonna be the MVP Freddie Freeman's gonna be the MVP yeah, yeah of had, course had yeah. a great season that I don't mean that I, I didn't saying, mean like that too either, the but. most all-around talented player in baseball at, at various points this season was Mookie Betts clearly he's that good um he's 12 years, all that money, you can debate if it's worth it because historically most guys aren't worth it for that right. much money at that <laughs> length of time. But good for Mookie, he got paid. Like, I'm happy for that guy. You talk about that all the time. Yeah. The, I mean, those <laughs> long-term contracts, man. They, I mean, in baseball. Like, like, they, dude, they're literally the worst thing. They are, how many World Series has Mike Trout won? Zero. None. That dude hadn't won any game sevens. <laughs> <laughs> he just made, and he's an awesome baseball player. But, you know, it doesn't really work out most of the time. But, man, that was – the playoffs have been really good. The Braves are going to be good in the future. I'm going to nervously watch the World Series and hope that my dad can see one for the first time in 32 years, and obviously me too. I'll be watching. Yeah, we'll be watching. But, like, it, it just is what it is. I They're a really good team. Bellinger hit a bomb last night. I'm so tired of people talking about Clayton Kershaw like he can't pitch in the World Series. It's ridiculous. The dude has not pitched as well in the postseason as he has in the regular season. Nobody's arguing that, but he doesn't get any run support. I was going to say, if you get – if you get Kershaw five runs, I'm sure he'll win the game. That guy never – the other night when they exploded for 11 runs in the first inning, Kershaw never gets the benefit of an 11-run first inning, you know, in the playoffs. It's always a nail-biter. It's always some swinging bunt or, or infield error that gets a rally started. And it's always like a 2-1 ball game because they never give him any run support when he pitches. That's what I've noticed. And, and again, he's had some bad outings, but some of the greats also have. That dude's just caught some bad luck in the postseason. And he some, has, some guys have that. You can't, but you cannot knock him for his game, though. That's the worst part. Um, I feel bad because, especially the diehard Dodgers fans, they really like to bang on him. But if they, if the if the Dodgers weren't the Dodgers, he'd be their best pitcher of all time. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> and, and in the modern era, he is. Right. I mean, he's won, what, three Cy Youngs, an MVP, you know, ERA title. The moment they win a title, all this stuff goes away. It's just the same thing with John Elway. Oh, right. Yeah. That's all they said about John Elway back in the day. Then when he won a Super Bowl and he and then he won the second one, which was all Terrell Davis. Let's not let's be real. <laughs> all right. Um, he got to ride off into the sunset. But yes, that's what changes everything. He's got to get a ring. And Sandy then Koufax, by the way, is the greatest Dodger pitcher of all time. If you ask the older guys, Sandy Koufax is that guy. But, I've heard that. But and he is. I mean, to, to the older guys, he always will be. And that's fine. Doesn't bother me. I, I just want to see Clayton Kershaw get a ring. Because the guy deserves a ring for, for how long he's been the workhorse in that stable and for how long they refused to go get a bona fide number two starter for forever. Okay, They were throwing 39-year-old Rich Hill in the playoffs. And Rich is a good pitcher. He's crafty as hell, but he's not a bona fide number two you know, with a payroll like that, and they wouldn't spend the money. So he, that guy deserves a ring. And Walker Bueller, the kid they have now out of Vanderbilt, is oh, a yeah. stud. I mean, he, this, he fits every definition of stud. I mean, the other night he was throwing 98, 99-mile-an-hour gas and daring dudes to catch up with it. And it like, was awesome like the, to watch. Um, I like the pitcher May. I yeah, just like, Dustin, I, yeah. I just like his hair. Yeah, seven-foot carrot top. 
Is he seven foot? Oh, he, is that I mean, why he looks not, like he's is, not? The, you see the legs on that guy? Is that why he looks like that on TV? Yeah, the guy's long, man. <laughs> he does, he's he really long, but yeah, he throws hard too. He does. They got to cast the characters. Man. He's got some action on that ball, though, dude. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Moves. He does. So yeah, the playoffs been good, and I maybe next time we talk, I'll be in a slightly more optimistic mood about the Dodgers because here's why. And I know we can we we got some stuff we want to get to. Tampa Bay is, I believe, the twenty eighth highest payroll in baseball uh-huh. they, they have done this by spending very little money <laughs> yes they have i mean very, th- this guy randy Them, Rosarena. i mm-hmm. mean this power i mean he's making a, like i think 1.25 million dollars this year who is the gm no no they're they're, they're power hitter randy Rosarena. i mean oh. he's he's making like 1.25 <laughs> million sorry dollars. sorry i apologize no no no, no, no you're good it's, i didn't know that he was the player not the gm I oh apologize. no you're good he's he's a hell of a ball player Hell of a ball player, and they're paying him next to nothing because it's Tampa, and they don't have the same payroll as most every other team, and so they have to get basically they're balling on a budget down in Tampa Bay. I love it. I can't wait to learn more about this team. Can you think about think about this? The L.A. Lakers, your L.A. Lakers, just won the the NBA Finals. Whoop, whoop. The Dodgers have a chance now to win the World Series, which would be a hell of a year for L.A. Whoop, whoop. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup, and now the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers say, are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So L.A. The Buccaneers are the favorite. Well, I mean, one of the favorites. You oh know, my! I was going to say. No, it's either them or I mean, I'll, I'll check the latest. But I mean, it's them. It's Tampa. I'm sure it's not as much Green Bay anymore after yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's Kansas City and it's Tampa Bay. Those were the two teams most favored to win the Super Bowl coming into it for sure. Um, Tampa Bay's defense is salty. Son. Yeah, but like, think about that. L.A.'s having a great year. They could win the World Series. But Tampa's got all Tampa, Florida. How long have they talked about moving the Rays out of Tampa Bay because of that stadium? They've won a couple chips, too. I, well, they've been, well, they've been in one in 08. You're thinking about the Marlins. They've won yeah, well, two. Well, I know the Marlins. The Marlins, Marlins have won quite a few. Well, well they've won two. two. The only, but this but year the was, way they do it, though, I mean, that's I know. What's unprecedented. So, they're, 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 again, they're balling on a budget. They don't pay anybody. And they're going up against the Dodgers, who have you know all the money in the world. And they could absolutely beat L.A. because they have pitching. they got Snell. they got Morton. They've got Glass now, who could go game one. Uh, they're tough, man. They're really tough. So, yeah, it's just strange how L.A.'s having a big year sports-wise, could have an even bigger year, but so is Tampa, Florida. Yeah, but Stanley Cup. We also lost our biggest star this year, so. Yeah. Oh, no question, man. Uh, it's, uh, you know, with uh, Kobe, you know, and that whole situation, it's uh, it's certainly deserved, I guess, for L.A. Because yes. have you seen all the memorials and the, the murals and all the different th- – I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of it, but the things they've done in L.A. across that city to memorialize that guy? I told you, He's their son, bro, I'm telling oh, yeah. you. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that uh, to be loved. Um, but, no, Kyle, I want to talk about the Panthers and the Saints. I want to know Ooh. your opinion. <laughs> all right, what do you want to know? All right. Um, that game is in Carolina, right? It's in New Orleans. Going to New Orleans. First one's in New Orleans. All right. I want to know your opinion. What are you thinking? Teddy Teddy Bridge, Teddy B's coming back home. I don't know. To the city they love. <laughs> they love Teddy B. Yeah? They love Teddy. The Saints, New Orleans, love Teddy Bridgewater. They love him. Oh, I, well, I know a lot of people were bummed when they let him go and kept well, Taysom Hill. Well, look, that's part of the, that's part of the business. Well, it, no, and I, it wasn't Taysom Hill versus Teddy Bridgewater. Well, no, that's I know, it. but that's the way it's been Teddy, claimed by some people. Yeah, that's, that's disappointing. Well, yeah, but, I mean, still, like you said, I, I didn't know they loved him that much, but I'm not surprised. Cause yeah, I know, yeah, I know his do. teammates in, in New Orleans loved him. Yeah, the city did, too, because he used to, like, ride his bike around downtown. Like, he was just part of, like, the city. He was just cooling. He never thought that he was – he'd just go to a high school game every now and then. Like, so – yeah, that goes a long way when 100%. to New Orleans. Uh, you well, and you can see the beginnings of it 
here in Carolina, too, people are finally coming around. I mean, you're going to have your holdouts for a while who just followed Cam Newton to New England for whatever length of time <laughs> um, and, and don't even want to hear about Teddy. Well, it's but, a transit city here in Charlotte, so the fans are younger. They don't – Yeah, it's but more you also – well, yeah, you, that's true. You also have a lot of first-generation Panthers fans, right, and younger correct. ones especially, who that grew up develop, on Cam. Right, they will develop. They're, they're salty about it, you yes. know, so it's it's – yeah, it's it's un, it's not like being a Steelers or a Giants fan. We'll put it that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's not you know multiple generations of fans who've seen everything. Um, but no, Teddy, you can see it already with him calling them a tough ass football team and kind of branding them that way, or you know, just some of the things that he's also said and done since he got here. Plus, uh, before yesterday against the Bears, he was he was playing really good football. Yeah, and I don't think he was. I don't think he was bad yesterday. The the interception at the end of the game was a bad throw, um, and he made you know a couple of bad throws in the game. But you know, but no, that's a really that's, good defense. It's a really, <laughs> really, really good defense. That's a really good defense. Um, Mike can't fumble the ball. But the Bears are winning games because of that defense. Thank you, thank you. Because you, of it, you gotta you got to not fumble that ball. And DJ Moore, you have to figure found out a way to come up with one of those catches. Right. He, he has to. One of those hard one-handed ones. When we expect to be as great as we want to be, you got to be. You got to make that play. And, it's in, I, and I'm putting pressure on him because I know he can make the play. I wouldn't say that for every receiver. You know what I mean? But DJ Moore has to find a way to come up with that catch. That's going to make – that's going to elevate his game. He's got a lot of other things already. He's got it. But he's got to make that catch. When we need it the most, that is what you got to have. And th- that's what Carolina has to grow to. They're young. They've got some really good talented players, you know, some talented players in some places. I don't know all the times what they're doing, but sure. they got some talent. And uh, offensively, they're, they've got, they got three really good options if Samuels is healthy. I don't know if he's healthy this week. But um, well, I, I think in, in New Orleans secondary can be attacked. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I talked to, to Marty Herney about this this morning, Panthers GM, um, on my show. I said, hey, if ever it was evident – you know, that Curtis Samuel has value to this team. It was yesterday, right, because he didn't play. And, yeah, they put know, him at running back. They put him everywhere. Right, the last couple of weeks they have. Mm-hmm. With Christian McCaffrey out, they've been giving him a few carries a game, you know, to help mix it up, change the pace, you know, even just to, you know, supplement what they're doing a little bit, especially after Bonifon got hurt. So they were using him. And, mm-hmm. and they, to your point, they were using him all over the place and kind of, t- like, successfully against the, the Falcons and the, the Cardinals before that. So Who, who are the Falcons? For sure, no <laughs> doubt. You know, but – it's working, and you yeah. know you got to win games. If you win in the NFL, you're happy. You know that as well as anybody. No so doubt. they were happy. But you, the thing about it was with the Bears or that game yesterday. Again, Khalil Mack, Kyle, I mean Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, um, Akeem Nix or Hicks. I mean, just Danny Trevathan. The talent on that Bears defense is Roquan. Or, too. I mean Roquan. Yeah, Roquan Smith. How, how do you forget Roquan Smith? I mean they, they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be a tough afternoon. They didn't protect Bridgewater very well, and because of it, he was forced into making some early throws. He scrambled a lot of times when he wouldn't ordinarily want to run with the football, and that's not his strength. I mean, he's an athlete, but that's not his strength. And so the bottom line is they were playing without Christian McCaffrey, without Curtis Samuel, without Dennis Daly again, without uh, Issa Gross Matos, who's been really good for the last couple of weeks, and without K.K. Short, who's gone for the year. Uh, you know, and it's football, so, you know, so guys are playing with stuff all the time. But uh, Dante Jackson's been dealing with a toe for the last couple of weeks. Like, they're not close to 100% right now. And they still had a chance to win it. So, like, moral victories aren't what anybody's into. But I, I think you could actually come away from yesterday kind of encouraged that they fought the way they did. Yeah, and so my biggest thing is it's also about when you, when you hit the quarterback. They hit Teddy Bridgewater early in that game. 
like the very first drive, he was getting hit. Yeah. So that affects quarterbacks long term. When you get hit early, sometimes you don't even have to get hit late and it still bothers you. If that makes sense, Kyle? Yeah. Okay. So I, I just, to me, that's what they got to improve on. And like I said earlier, I, but I like where this Carolina team is going, though. They're a lot better than I would um, have maybe. Listening to all these other people, you just don't know. But I like that this team competes on a week-to-week basis, and they're improving. And offensively, they give themselves a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're a reflection of their head coach. They like that guy. I'm pretty sure. You, you don't play – look, some of these young guys, they're trying to make a name for themselves, you know, all that stuff too. But like, they, I think that's still to be determined. Like, they got veterans out. But, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to some of what the veterans have said about him. And the, the, the but way that's – I don't, I don't know. I ain't in there like that. I'm just going to judge it. But I hope I hope so. But let me ask you I'm this, though. For you, you know when a team's playing over its head a little bit, right? Like, you know when a team is playing better than the talent that's on the roster, right? You, you, I'm talking about you can identify that, right? Yes. Okay. I think they absolutely identified and have for the last couple of weeks at times as a team that's played over its head, you know, better than anybody expected they'd play. So you, you wonder if that's sustainable, obviously, you know, but if you're playing over your head, I mean, it, that's a product of the guys that are coaching you a lot of the time, too, too, right? Yes, but remember what I said, though. Remember what I told you about Carolina? The first four weeks, they had to get out to a hot start the first, first quarter. That was big for them, right? That's what I told yeah. you. Because not everybody's going to have all the tape on them, but then after four weeks, people are going to start getting all your tape and starting to figure out your tendencies and what you do. So from there, I want to see how they continue to evolve and grow to go forward. So I'm not giving all the way credit yet. I applaud them. They got a couple wins. They've been doing well. Um, but they also, I, they got I just want to see more. That's all I'm saying. And they got to improve in those areas. Hmm. I, I'm looking at this just because we're talking about the NFL. I but the Saints aren't perfect, though. The no. Saints are far, far from perfect. Well, look, so I think some people are lately, have, like when, when Michael Thomas was out, was like, yeah, you know, Michael Thomas isn't playing. So, you know, that, that that's a big difference. Yeah, but – we all know that Drew Brees is getting older, and Drew Brees it scares nobody throwing the football down the field. That nobody's Drew's still accurate as yeah. know, as a guy can be, but you've seen it like I have. I mean, they are limited in what they can do down the field because he just doesn't really have much to offer in that department right now. I, and I I don't even know what it is because I've seen Drew still be able to throw the ball down the field, but it's it's like I, I don't know. It's very hard to see. It's very hard to watch. In, it, it's some Saints fans are very frustrated with it. For me, I think they have to – this game plan has to be run through Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. And if you don't get these run game going, they have to win this game by the run. That's the only way how the Saints will be able to continue to compete. I think Michael Thomas coming back will help. But they need to settle what all this is. Um, I hope Mike's continues to be happy how he has to learn how to channel his, his energy in the right direction and making sure that everybody's um, – I want to. If I could tell Mike anything, I say I would say this: Mike, you are probably the best at your position at what you do. But will what will really dictate you how people will perceive you from here going forward is all going to be how much you make others around you better. That's where he has to improve at in his game. Yeah. He has to make others better around him, and when he does that, the whole team will be better. Everybody will love everybody just a little bit more, and he can affect that by not even loving everybody, but mostly just making everybody around him better. He's got to learn how to elevate. The best players, when they figure that part out, that's when everything else gets better. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, um, look, I, I, you have really interesting perspective on a lot of this stuff, and so I, I defer to you on most of it. I just, 
you know, how, I, when you when you watch how a guy interacts with everybody on the sideline, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like th- yeah. people tell you, you know, do, don't watch how a guy acts with one of his business partners. I, I watch how he acts or acts with the janitor or the waiter or the waitress or yeah. things like that. That's like, legit. You know, you can you see a lot of that, you know, with Matt Rule. You hear about a lot of that oh, with okay. Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's that's encouraging because, you know, a lot of guys can put on a show. A lot of guys can turn on that switch and be charismatic in public, but be something else entirely. You know, at home or yeah, you know, for <laughs> sure. A lot of people can do that, um, yeah. and it's scary how many people can do that and do it really well. I get the sense that he's not one of those. And again, I, I don't mean to romanticize his personality or anything. It's just I think that he connects with the guys that play for him, and that's why they play as hard as they do for him. That's good. The guys that sp- like Robbie Anderson that speak of playing for him at Temple, and you know, all the guys that played for him somewhere else. It's kind of like you know when Dabo Swinney's guys come to his you know back when he needs them to the the Sammy Watkins and the New Hopkins and the, the guys like that. Matt Rule has a lot of guys willing to go to bat for him. So, Robbie Anderson's having a, a hell of a year this year. That's a good year. football player, by the way. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good with the Jets, too. Really I mean, good football player. I mean, he's made some tough catches. He and Teddy uh, have a really great connection. And that's why I'm saying when DJ Moore gets starts doing even more, they're going to be even more dangerous. Um, but I think they do a great job of that. Also, I'm glad that um, they're letting Shaq play in the middle more and not to hear Whitehead. That helps them out tremendously on defense. I'm glad you said it. Um, that, that's another one. It, I, I, that, that, to me, that's been a turning point in them defensively immediately. Their, their, their linebacking play has been bad up until that. I mean, really, really bad. Um, and I, I, I It's was, been inconsistent. Well, it just hasn't been, it hasn't been good enough. You can't – it's been a big, big drop-off from what you had last year to this okay, year. Okay, I'm trying to – I'm sugarcoating it, trying to be nice. To hear Whitehead's been really, really bad. And I, I'm not – I say that because I – I or said it the first way because I don't like to get personal because I Lord knows I can't do what he does. But yeah. just watching the game, the missed tackles, you know, getting behind plays, you know, being out of position, like it's something that they've had to talk about publicly too. And I mean, guys trying to make plays, I know that, but it's just not working. So, so what I would do, Kyle, is just to attack the problem, not the person. I would just say they need to be more athletic at that position, and you, I needed somebody to have some kind of stopping power, right? And when I'm the Mike linebacker in these nickel defenses, you have to be able – you're going to fit more of their strong side runs. So you're going to have to get involved. Not only that, but you're going to have to have to be good on coverage on the third receiver to that side, to the passing strength. And I just think a more athletic Shaq Thompson helps with that big time. And he can – now you can do more defensively. You don't have to worry about what this person can't do in space or what how this person will affect this matchup if it's somebody here here. That's what the the thinking part of the game overall. I think they put themselves in a better position. All right. No, I, I hear you. I just think that uh, – that well, that was always going to be a bit of a, a work in progress. Well, the, look, my NFL scouts told me when they signed him, I was like, well, what do you think about him? They were, they were just like, well – He's not good. He was questionable in pass coverage. That was always a big knock on him. So, I mean, I just think overall, Carolina, that was a good play for them. Now this game, who wins, Kyle? What game? The Saints and the Panthers, yeah, the one we've been I, talking about. Well, yeah. I, I mean, New Orleans, last I looked, was a seven-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason. Uh, I, I think it depends on how healthy Carolina is. They're not going to have Matos or short back. So defensively – What does Matos do? Uh, high ankle sprain, I believe. Oh, but the, yeah, the IR rules change for this season because everything's different. So yep. I think they can get him back as early as three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that – and, again, he's a rookie. So you shouldn't always expect too much of him. But at the same time, he's been really productive the last couple right, of weeks right. when he was on the field. So they don't have him short – or KK's gone. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're going to look to trade for somebody. Panthers fans keep talking about Quentin Williams in New York as someone that should be, you know, a, a trade target possibility. Bro, you know what you're going to have to get up to get Quentin? I know. 
You're gonna have to give up a first round a at first, least, probably like a first and a fourth is what somebody yeah. said. I mean, I don't know. At least, I I don't know that it's worth that. I mean, not in a year where you're not going to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, you know, it'd be one thing if you're going all in on on a possible title team. But I they mean, don't have that. It'd so. be kind of cool to get the top D tackle though in the last two drafts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you it'd could, be, I think it'd could. be interesting too because you're right. They have a lot of cap space going into next year, and you know, if you're gonna if you have an eye toward next year too. You know, where you have some cap space, another draft to go through. Um, if you're looking at it that way, I mean, you could, it's a possibility. You know, if you think you can really compete next year, why not? I don't know about next year, but the year after that, they'll be good. So it doesn't even matter sure. who you pick it. And, so. if that's, and, and again, mm -hmm. I, again, I don't know if they'll look at it that way. There are probably some flaws to that thinking, too. But um, I got to ask you real quick because I, I want to ask you something else. But first, this Adam Gase story, oh, since yeah. we're talking about the NFL, I, I just want to read this because – the, you don't often see headlines. I mean, maybe you do, but like this is a, a reporter from the New York Daily News who covers the Jets, and I told you about this as we were going to start recording. He wrote, an, uh, he wrote a column. It's Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News who covers the Jets, and he wrote a tweet that says, Adam Gase is more than a bad NFL head coach. He's a malignant, duplicitous presence that consistently trashes his own players, coaches, and front office behind the scenes to shield himself from blame, a cancer that must be removed right now. And this was written like four hours ago. And it was written after, did you see the Greg Williams thing? You know Greg Williams. Um, the, the Greg Williams thing, the video that came out yesterday. No, what did Greg say? Oh, yeah. Well, Greg was asked about why the defense is giving up just a, a you know obscene number of points per game. And he pointed out that, uh, you know, it's not just his defense that's causing them to give up a ton of points. And, you know, alluded to the offense and how they don't score points. And then was at the end of it, was asked again about it. And he was like, I think you'll, you can figure that out for yourself or something along those lines. I mean, clearly alluding to the offense. And then the report was that after hearing those comments, I guess they were from Saturday, uh, Adam Gase, who was in a production meeting with the, uh, I think it was the CBS crew, the TV crew, uh, trashed Greg Williams to the TV crew. And was like, uh, you know, said something about Greg Williams making those comments and everything. Oh, yeah. No, it, that place is dysfunctional, man. <laughs> and you got this, this columnist who now is possibly still going to be sitting across from Adam Gaze in a press conference this week at some point who just called him a malignant, duplicitous presence and a cancer. And, I mean, they're the only, uh, like, they're the only un or they're the only team in the NFL that doesn't have a win. I can't speak. Um, and he's like out of friends up there. It's the craziest thing. The Dolphins got better when he left. He's he's combative with the media. Um it's nuts, man. I don't know what to make of all that. Um I don't either, man. I don't <laughs> follow the Jets closely, so I don't pretend to be an expert, but Me that's Me neither. I do know Greg. Um Greg would definitely speak his mind. That's why they try to only let him speak to the media once a week. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> they try and limit him in front of the camera because he can't control himself. He'll give you his thoughts, and he understands that. He is very upfront about that. He can't hold, he can't help himself. He's you put a camera in front, he's gonna tell you exactly what, what he's he gonna yeah. yeah. Um, whether that's good or bad, I won't comment on. But um, Adam Gase, man, I don't know, man. You, I just heard a, it's a lot of mixed things from players that have come out of there. And it's just, I just hope they are better. I root for everybody to be better. I thought, myself personally, I thought Sam Darnold would be better. Um, and he looks like they've kind of ruined him in that, you know, if the Jets get the number one pick, they're definitely going to draft the quarterback. So um, why would you not? I don't know. I, Adam Gase didn't do well in Miami, and then they hired him. So you made that decision. I don't know what you were expecting. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins got better when he left. I mean, the team that fired him just came up and whooped him over the weekend. Um, 
and they look like they broke Sam Donald. The kid's still seeing ghosts. Um, I, I don't know. He'll man. never be able to live that down. I don't know. He will never. <laughs> never. He'll be, never be able to live that down. I just think that's, you know, that whole thing up there is interesting. That, that, the, the NFL is set up for parody. The NFL is set up to make everybody eight and eight. And they continue to defy the odds and it's, are terrible. Yeah, that's you're right. I mean, it's like the Patriots defying the odds on the other end. You know, being a 20 year dynasty or whatever, mm-hmm. winning the division that many times that defies the odds based on the way the NFL is structured for everybody. It's like this this gravity of parity that pulls everybody toward the middle, and the good the really good organizations fight to stay on the other end, and the really bad organizations can't get out of their own way and stay over here. I yeah. mean, it's, it's nuts how that works. But then again, maybe it's, you know, as simple as they just don't hire as smart of people as, as the good teams do. No, they don't. Well, they got to have some kind of consistency. And when you're moving from coach to coach and then you don't trust where the process is going, you got your best players talking bad about the, the coach, the GM, and the owner. Right. And then they ship him off. Then your next highest paid player, all of a sudden you cut him and he's gone. Um, how is that functioning? You, you I, tell me. That's just I don't understand. that doesn't look like a great um, brand organization right now. And I'm not trying to call him out because I don't know him. Well, but no, but I mean they just uh, traded away Le'Veon Bell. He couldn't get out of there fast enough. Um, and now he went to the Chiefs. The Giants. The Giants accidentally won a game yesterday um, against the the Washington football team. I don't think I accidentally. What happened to their left tackle? Well, I'm I'm joking. Like they 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 won the game. <laughs> And if they hadn't won the game, the, the city of New York and the NFL would have started the season 0-12. They started 0-10 after last week, and it would have been 0-12. And the, I mean, that's, it's miserable up there. The talk radio in New York is hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, they're ripping everybody. Everybody needs to be fired. It's hilarious. But anyway, um, so we're sitting here recording this on a Monday night. we got a Monday night doubleheader. Chiefs and Bills is about to start. I took the Chiefs and the points with this one. What, what is it? Five and, a, five and a half. Five and a half? Yeah. I like that. You like it? Mm-hmm. Okay, because it was three, I think, and it grew to five and a half. It's a big, the, I mean, big the, jump. The Chiefs can be problematic defensively, so I want to see how that goes. Josh Allen has continued to prove people more and more wrong. And because of what you just said, I also took the over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. I like <laughs> yeah. that, too. I also I like took that. the over. Yeah, 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 I like that, too. Okay, I took Chiefs with the five and a half, and I took the over 55 and a half. Because I think they're going to score a bunch of points tonight. I, I could definitely see that. The Bills happening. looked horrible defensively last week against that, Tennessee. The NFL is such a weak – man, let me tell you something. Tennessee, don't nobody want to see that boy Derrick Henry. And I, oh. I've been saying that since last year. What did he run for, 212? Don't nobody want to see that boy. 212, two touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure he hit somebody with a haymaker like <laughs> did Josh Norman last week. Say, say something about Josh Norman. He got, dude, he got stiff-armed to the moon. I don't know why Josh went up there like he was going to tackle him up high. That was not smart, Josh. I, not smart. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> Dude, that boy Derek Henry just – I haven't seen a lot of people get – and when I saw it, all I could do was just thank God that that never happened to me. That's, that's the first thing I always do when I see somebody get bodied like that. Oh, man. Well, yeah. That's, uh, I, and look, I mean, Josh Norman, it would have happened to a lot of dudes, man. I mean, Derek Henry is out here just throwing guys around. And he's got breakaway speed. Like, when he's gone, don't nobody catch him. No. That's the cra- that's the that's the part it, that, it, that – It's unbelievable. Like, you and I <laughs> talked about a year ago, almost a year ago to this day, that you and I were talking about why they refused to use him. Where's Julian at, too? Where's Julian at? Shout out Julian Council somewhere. But all I know Hating is – on King Henry. Y'all came in – you came in talking about they weren't using him, and then they, got, <laughs> they came to Carolina, 
and they ended up losing that game. But remember, in the second half, they finally start using Derrick Henry. That's all I was saying. They right? make a run. They almost <laughs> win it. And from and at that point, they thought they were out of the playoffs. Their fan base thought they were cooked. I think it was like week week six, maybe. They start using Derrick Henry in the second half of this game against Carolina. He he gets it done. He starts going off. They still lose the game, but they took off like a rocket after that. And you know the rest, they make it to the AFC Championship game. That's why you can't write them off this year because they're five and zero. And, and Derrick Henry's beast and Ryan Tannehill's numbers on Sunday. But, I mean, the Texans he, are bad, but still. But Ryan Tannehill's playing great he's ball. He's playing though. really good football, and you can't write and them off. And he's athletic, too. We just saw them in the AFC title game, so you can't write this team off. Yeah, they They're play really good, good defense. That's a good football team. Yep, they that's got a, a good secondary. It's a really, good really defense. good football team. Um, what was I going to ask you before we got out of here? Oh. Did you watch – are you a Saturday Night Live guy? Wow, Saturday Night Live guy. I am, so I didn't watch the whole one of this one, but I've heard great things about it. Go ahead, let's talk. Well, about which, which one? Okay, which one are you talking about? The the latest one with the town halls. Yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was. They are instant. How they're you, instant. Uh, they're instant television. How bro. do you feel about Jim Carrey as Joe Biden? So I think he's a everybody. He's a little much, huh? I think some of it's spot on, but I think some of it, like you said, is like a little bit too much of like Ace Ventura. Right, and, right. He's uh, like Jim Carrey still. It, too much Jim Carrey. <laughs> just a little bit too much Jim Carrey. <laughs> but but a lot of it's spot on. I just like because what they say is so good. To me, I'm, it's all about what they say for both of us. Oh, absolutely. And it, and Baldwin does a real. I mean, I, Trump hates it, but Baldwin does a funny Trump. I mean, he that's. That's a he's funny gotten truck. good over. He's had four it's years. Like, I mean, that's that will go down like Will Ferrell's George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, and who who did most of the, uh, the? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Bill Clinton, SNL. Who did? I'm trying. Who's the name? Um, I, it'll come to me anyway. But I mean, the the Clinton impersonation was also legendary. SNL has done some great presidential impersonations they over have. the years. They have. And that's. I even like the lady they got playing Kamala Harris. That's funny, too. <laughs> it's funny. They're good. It's such a good um, – Daryl Hammond. Thank you. Daryl Hammond played uh, Bill Clinton back in the day. Daryl Hammond's Bill Clinton was is one of the best SNL impersonations of all time. It was fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaving a bunch out. I think it was Dana Carvey that did Ross Perot back in the day. Um, there have been some really good presidential and presidential like debate stuff over the years. Ross Perot was great. Ross Perot <laughs> on SNL was fan. Dana Carvey, it was Dana Carvey, right? Wearing the ears. Let me, let me double check yes, this. Yes, the ears was like so good. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, Dana Carvey, Ross Perot. The ears were fantastic. But yeah, I think it was great. The Savannah Guthrie um, impersonation, the, the thing they did with the NBC, the town halls. It's just, first of all, the. T- Having dueling town halls on is the most 2020 thing <laughs> that you can imagine. Okay, my in-laws were in town. The Dodgers were playing in the playoffs at the same time that these town halls were on. So I left them in the living room, you know, with the, the Joe Biden town hall and whatever else they watched going back and forth, I guess. I went and watched a lot of the baseball game, but I was catching it kind of intermittently. I mean, you, got, well, you had one channel, Trump and, and Savannah Guthrie, are going at it. She's calling him somebody's crazy uncle. You know, he's defending a retweet, and, and Joe Biden is, you know, answering questions from people who are at the top of the rafters, you know, and, and oh, man, I'm t- it's, uh, it was a scene, man. That was something. Else. Did you watch him? No. Ah, you didn't miss much. <laughs> I think SNL gave you just about everything you needed. That's to what, so when I tried to watch it late when I got um, home the other evening, I, uh, I couldn't catch it Saturday night, uh, 
um, when I try to do it. So I'll probably watch it tonight. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After this first it's, game or in halftime. Yeah, it was really good because you can actually just speed through it. It's no been really good. That's what they, that's what they said. I, I'm, I can't wait to watch it. I'm sorry I'm missing out on that. But I'll catch up with you today, though. I'm going to be back on, bro. It's, I mean, it's, it's SNL is always good. And the two candidates that we have are going to give them plenty <laughs> of material um, one way or another. And when you got talented actors or funny people, they can do these things. I always like the news uh, between the, the white dude and the black dude, too. Um, oh, they, uh, the Weekend Update? Yeah, Weekend Update. Weekend Update is awesome. Um, <laughs> it, it's, al- it's always been one of their two or three best segments that they do. Like, the cold it, open is usually really good. Right. And the opening monologue, depending on who it is, everywhere. Like, Issa Rae was really good Saturday. You haven't seen this one, right? Mm-mm. So, you know, you didn't know Issa Rae was, uh, uh-uh. she was uh, hilarious. Okay. Um, at one point, she goes, I'm the first black woman to ever host Saturday Night Live. And everybody starts cheering. She goes, Lion. just kidding. No, Lion. No, 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 I was like, oh, okay. And I, like, she said it, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, that can't be possibly true. <laughs> and she goes, no, I didn't. I was like, yes, I knew it. I'm not, I didn't fall for it. But she was, I mean, she's hilarious. Uh, I love her show, by the way. She's one of the uh, that new crop of really talented. Um, I just call them artists. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she's an actress. She writes. I mean, she produces. Like she's she's hilarious. She's really really good. I at can't what she wait does. to watch this now. It's a really good episode. I'm gonna make my wife watch uh, it. With also, uh, on uh, now this is not necessarily for me, but I hadn't thought about this dude in so long. I'm sure you know other people do, but like Justin Bieber was the musical performer in this episode. Oh, the Biebs. The Biebs is back in this episode, and I've I've never heard anything more than what I heard somebody else playing on the radio. Biebs got some hits, bro. I, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm aware of some of them. I just I don't. Shout know. out to Kurt Coleman, my boy. He but he's loves in like this weird, almost like biblical manger scene behind him <laughs> doing this new song with um, with Chance the Rapper. Uh, Chance the Rapper's uh-huh. there too, performing with him. So like that, it was it was it was neat. It was. I think uh, I've heard that song a little bit. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Chance was, is a big, big uh, believer. It was a cool, very episode. strong by his faith. He's, w- I like Chance too. I, so when, like, have you always been an SNL fan? Because I love SNL. Yeah. So I've gotten more into it as I've gotten older. I didn't like grow up watching it for real. So all the, a lot of the throwback <laughs> stuff I just don't know or not all the way 100 um, familiar with. Hmm. All right. Anyway, well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> We got that. Sorry to uh, crush you on that. No, one. you didn't crush me at all. You didn't. No, so, it's good. It's good. So, Kyle. So, who has been? All right, I want to know the the best player that's like surprised you in college football this year. Ooh. And then also, who names a name that you would not have given credit for before the season in the NFL that now you're like, hey, this dude's a, this dude can play. That guy right there. I know why you're asking me that question, because you're asking me about Josh Allen right now, <laughs> aren't you? He's on the screen. We're watching Monday Night Football as we tape this. You're asking me because of Josh Allen, aren't you? He would be my pick. I mean, I mean, I, I love how you tried to you, – you got all proper with that question. Like, I want to ask you a question. I don't blame you, by the way, because I think I might have been wrong about him. Now, I, he's played really well. But doesn't he have to, like, win something before we start? Like, I, I would think you of all people would be, like, win something before we crown you anything. I agree. I, I still think the best player in the NFL this year has been Russell Wilson. But, we, see, that yes, that's interesting. So, I'll say this about Josh Allen. Again, he's played much better than I thought he ever would. I did not expect this. Yeah. Um, but It was again, a big jump. It went from – Yes. <laughs> from, like, the C squad. Right. He's that kid that um, in junior high got cut or was barely making, barely starting, and then went home and then came back, and he's like, dang, this right. dude's like dunking now. He's a stud now. <laughs> and and no, I, like, not many people saw it coming. They, but that's the thing. You, you knew he had all the physical tools right. when they drafted right. him. I mean, he looked – That's a reason why he's the first If round. you built a robot quarterback, you build that guy, right? Yeah, so and he that, can run. And he can run. So you, you would build that guy physically 
with the huge arm and everything else and seems like a nice kid, you know, good demeanor, but he just never put it together. And a lot of people like me were like, if you couldn't dominate that conference, yeah, then how are you ever going to be great in the NFL? And up until this season, I don't think we saw much to believe that he would be able to do this. Do you? I mean, the jump he seems to have made from last year to this year seems huge as well because, I mean, last year in the playoffs, yeah, they were in the playoffs, but he wasn't especially accurate, and he made a lot of bad decisions, like that lateral toward the end of the game and everything else. It seems like this offseason, this kid's made an enormous jump, doesn't it? Yes, and and I really it's all about the, the last part that you said, which is the decision-making part right. of it. He's making better decisions with the football, and, and you're right. That Houston game last year in the playoffs, I was like, man, they're trying to just give this game away. They were Buffalo tried, and Houston tried to give it back to him, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't take it back. So, um, I, but I think he has definitely improved in huge, huge leaps and bounds. I like this uh, Buffalo team. I think McDermott's done a really good job up there. Him being building a program, yeah. trying to do everything the right way, and when you build it uh, with the right people, that that's impressive too. So they they've done that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I had Sean McDermott on a, an earlier episode of this podcast, and. Uh, I think it's safe to say he knows what he's doing, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, I man, mean, for you, sure. You, you know that as well as anybody. I do, so. I do. But that defense ain't going to win this game for him tonight. Though, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's got, it's got to help, um, you know, but uh, it's it's tough to shut down that guy right there. Patrick Mahomes is special. Uh, to your point, though, I, you're the second person, I guess, um, in the last week or so who has likewise said uh, Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, I mean, Mahomes won the Super Bowl. Has an MVP, but uh, I would so be so I would not say best quarterback. Okay, I would, I would say he's the NFL MVP. So he's playing the best. I don't think he's the best because I, I, if okay. I had to okay. if I had to build a team, I wouldn't take him as my first one. I would think about it though. It's between him and this one that we're watching. Okay, no, that I get that. I just uh, I've heard some other people argue that right now. I think he was in in the top 100 list. He came in ahead of Mahomes, I think, in the last one. I believe um, it. And, and you know that's. Russell Wilson has, you know, for all the Mr. Unlimited, the, the, the corny stuff that dude can do, you know, everybody knows. Um, you know, that was one of the corniest things I've ever seen in my life. If Russell ever hears this, that you're a cornball for that, but he's a hell of a football player. And he just continues, you know, to do less with more or to do more with less and to evolve. Like when he got into the league, man, he had Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom and, you know, weapons around him. It was a good situation for a young guy to come into. But then, you know, that, that's st those guys started to leave. They started to retire, and then he got paid, and mm -hmm. the dynamic changed. But he just kept showing up. That dude gets – he doesn't get hit as much as you think he would get hit for a guy who's constantly on the run. No, he but doesn't get he, hit he at all. he knows how to avoid getting hit. He's really good at that. And because of that, his availability is better than anybody else. He's always there. He's never out with injuries. Um, and he always makes the smart play. He just – I think he gets more accurate. Each and every game. It's ridiculous. He could drop a football in a five-gallon bucket 50 yards down the field nine times out of ten, it seems like, sometimes. He's Be so accurate. Best deep ball in football, period, I don't, at all levels. He throws – That thing just flutters right exactly where it's does. supposed to go. He, but I think that's a baseball throw, though. Those base, ex-baseball players, to me, at quarterback are so good. Yeah. They know how to change the angle, the, the way they're throwing the angles. The touch they, is there. The touch is there, all that stuff. I, I think it helps him out. I and he knows, like you were saying, he doesn't get hit a lot. And that's because he's so good at recreating the pocket. He just moves around a little bit but never really leaves the pocket. But it slows all the rushers down because the rushers all week long are being told, hey, keep contained, keep contained, keep contained. So when all of a sudden he looks like he's going to move, I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to get contained. 
but it really he doesn't do anything. He just he just steps up. He he's so tough, <laughs> man. He I, I got a lot of respect for him. I was I was a holdout. I didn't think he was going to be very good coming out of NC State. I thought he was just average. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I was arguing full disclosure. Um, I was arguing probably up until about five or six years ago that if Tyrod Taylor ever really got a chance to run a team, that he could be every bit as good as Russell Wilson was. And, you know, I, I, I think I'm definitively wrong about that <laughs> at this point, but I also think that Tyrod Taylor's caught some crappy breaks. Yes. And, uh, by the way, we the, talked about that. Uh, it's, it's worth pointing out, I think, did the Chargers win yesterday? I, I, we got to check on that because at last I checked, they, uh, they, the, the Chargers were still winless ever since they stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lungs. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> anyway, Russell Wilson is a, a special player. He's not, he does not love Virginia Tech at all. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrod Taylor's good people, man. He, he is. He is. He's good people. Um, I'm checking. I, all I, right, so you didn't answer college. Who do you I who forgot you the question. You got me talking well, about who, Russell Wilson. Well, who, at the beginning of the year, were you like, oh, well, this person's not um, – well, you didn't know of his name or you think it was just all right, but now you're like, man, this dude is real. Oh, uh, I mean, I knew who Kyle Trask was. Uh huh. I didn't expect Kyle Trask to have, like, statistically the kind of season he's having. Nowhere close. I mean, but I, again, I knew who he was. I yeah. knew he was probably going to be the starter. I'd, I'd seen a little bit of him, but maybe that's an easy one. Um, hmm. No, it's not. It's I not. Would, I would probably say one that you would I, say Kyle I, Trask. I think that's a really good pick. And because I mean, like, I wouldn't say Kyle Trask. Though. Who would you say? I would say J- Jalen Waddle, the receiver from Alabama. I mean, I knew Jalen Waddle. Well, I I knew who Kyle Trask was, and yeah. I knew who Jalen Waddle was. Enough. But I wouldn't have said Jalen Waddle if they were to all leave college right now. Jalen Waddle might be the number one receiver taken in the draft. I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Okay. Because no, because if Henry Ruggs went first this year. I mean, Jalen Waddle's doing more than what Henry Ruggs is and looks just as fast or explosive. Right. So, for me, and plays big. He plays bigger than what he is. If he's six foot, he plays six four because he just goes up over the top of people and goes and gets the ball, attacks it. And you can't even kick it to him. So, for me, I just said – I'm saying that because I wouldn't have said he was – I told him – I told somebody that he shouldn't be on the first, uh, first team preseason all wide, a wide receiver. And I'm definitely wrong on that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about a couple here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I might have said K.J. Costello, but, I mean, I, I knew who he was from Stanford. But they have not looked good the last two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, if, Understatement I, if I'm of, the, gonna be, of the day. <laughs> if I'm going to be uh, an ACC homer or, you know, kind of have that – cover that territory, like, I, Devin Leary at NC State, mm-hmm. I knew who he was. I knew, oh, they, yeah. I knew he had high expectations, but – we hadn't seen I didn't, man. I hadn't seen that. We hadn't, didn't, we hadn't I, seen it. came out of nowhere. Well, and, but now he's down for four to, four to eight weeks, broke, <laughs> you know, and had surgery, broke his leg on Saturday. And uh, so they're going to have, they have to go back to Bailey Hockman. Um, totally NC State type look. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I knew of Khalil Herbert because I went to Virginia Tech. But, you know, Khalil Herbert, a Kansas transfer. When a guy, you know, transfers in from Kansas because he wasn't getting many carries <laughs> – you know, it doesn't exactly get a lot of folks' attention, but uh, it turned out maybe Les Miles just didn't know what he had in Khalil Herbert, and uh, Khalil Herbert's a really good football player. He's the second-leading rusher in the nation, and uh, right now he's in the Heisman conversation, so he's, he seems, like, special. Talking about Kansas, I watched West Virginia and Kansas play our game. Somebody handed the ball off. They were backed up on, like, the one- or two-yard line. They handed the ball off, and he ran for, like, the whole yard. They, he ran for a touchdown from, for like 90 yards. And there was no safety in the middle of the field. I'm like, 
what defense is that? Would you break through the line of scrimmage and then it's touchdown? Like, how does that even happen? I don't know. But that's the bad defense. This stuff is the that I'm same. This is the same Kansas, by the way, that, that lost to Coastal Carolina for Coastal, the second year in a row. Coastal's, Coastal's not now, bad. Coastal's now the top twenty-five. But think about this: like that Coastal Carolina's football program has not been around very long. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I was talking about this uh, just the other day on my radio show. Their head coach, um, Jamie Chadwell, used to be the head coach at Charleston Southern, down in Charleston, South Carolina. And, you know, not many people know a ton about um, uh, Charleston, South, or Charleston Southern. There's not, there's, you might know them if you're a basketball fan. Maybe you've seen them. But, you know, they've, uh, they, they've been FBS level since 2017. They've got a head coach named Joe, or a head coach named Jamie Chadwell who left Charleston Southern where he had a good team. Um, you know, and I was at the time, I was in Charleston. I was doing uh-huh. radio in the morning, and I was doing some play-by-play for the Citadel. And uh, the Citadel was really good. Mike Houston had just left the Citadel. He took the job at JMU. He's now at ECU. Um, and it was Brent Thompson who's there still now. But the Citadel was, uh, you know, like a national FCS contender. Charleston Southern was really good, too. Uh, college of Charleston is there in downtown. They got a pretty good basketball program. So it's a, it's a small college kind of interesting landscape there. But Jamie Chadwell, after a really good season, but I think lack of resources, lack of, uh, you know, uh, I think support to an extent, and then like a mini scandal over reselling textbooks, uh, leaves Charleston Southern to become the offensive coordinator at Coastal Carolina, which was, a di- which was an interesting move because mm-hmm. he was a successful head coach at Southern. Uh, but he goes there, and Joe Moglia, who was the head coach there then, but is now the executive director of football and chairman of athletics. Joe Moglia used to be the CEO of TD Ameritrade, and he retired, left uh, TD Ameritrade as the CEO back in 2008 because he wanted to coach football. And but the, Had he ever had coaching experience before? No. The year he left <laughs> TD Ameritrade, he, he made, I think, $21 million with his exit package. And he'd made $10-plus million. So this guy was loaded, you know, set for life. Uh-huh. And in 2008, he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be the CEO of, TE, or of TD Ameritrade. I want to coach football. So he became an intern with Nebraska football and started to learn the coaching business, essentially. And a couple of years later, he's the head coach at Coastal Carolina. This is and an amazing story. He has the career record of 56-22. and 22. I mean, you know, got the program no, off the ground. that's good. Exactly. Got the program off the ground. They became an FCS program in 2017. I think I'm getting all these facts right. But the point is, you know, you have a very wealthy man who basically picked this program up and took it to New Heights, got it to the FBS, is running the program from a CEO standpoint, all while the head coach is just focusing on the football every day. And they're now suddenly a top 25 program for the first time ever. And, you know, they're in a hotbed of recruiting. A lot of players in the Carolinas. They're in a Sun Belt with App State and, and a lot of good football programs. And they got a, um, and they're it's already a nice area. Winning. They're nice already th- winning, dude. They're three years into the FBS level, Roman, and they're already a top 25 football team. That's big for them. I mean, that, I mean again, nobody thinks they're going to threaten Alabama's supremacy anytime soon, but that's impressive. That's that, a really impressive thing to do. Because nobody else is able to do that, but I think he probably takes it from a business mindset. Yeah. He doesn't always so hard hardcore football, football. I think he comes at it from a different uh, thought process, and I think – Young kids can vibe with that, and he does when he doesn't need all the other things to kind of approve to get approval of himself. He probably already walks into a room confident in who he is, and he probably runs it like his business that 
which I think most head coaches should do more of, which is make sure you're not the smartest person in the room. Man, Always wild. bring people around me that are good people, solid people with the same type of mindset or goal-oriented, not really mindset, but goals in mind, goal-oriented, and understand that they are the ones that are going to help me do this. It's not just me and mine, but us together. I think we could do something really good. I'm just the kind of a guy, connecting guy, to make sure we're all put in the best position to do our best. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, uh, we have – this is the longest we've gone without doing an episode in, in a while. So we got back to it, and we just uh, went an hour and 20 minutes talking football. Like, that's – Dang, uh, man, we flew. That's, well, that's congrats, great. too, man. For what? I mean, going through those, an hour and 20, it didn't Oh, yeah, like no, it, so. congrats to you, too. I'm sorry. I Thanks, thought man. I thought I did something impressive. No, nah, man, it's all good. I'm going to go be a dad. Are you? Yeah, I got to go kind of do the same thing. Um we kept it light today. I like that. I needed that. There we go. That was good. good. Life's heavy right now. It is, man. Don't worry about all Life's heavy. Stuff, Keep man. it light where you can. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Control the controllable. Control the controllable. I like that a lot. We'll talk to you next time. All right, man. Be good, bud. For Peace. Roman, for Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Again, we'll talk to you next time. Oh, yeah. And Alabama whooped that butt.